Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My name is Shane. My name is Kat. And this is Made to Look, a podcast where we watch episodes of each other's favourite TV shows mm-hmm. and try to figure out why we like the things that we like. Yes, it is interesting trying to figure it out sometimes. I feel like since we've been focused on that, we've been learning fabulous new things about ourselves and each other. I mean, sometimes not necessarily fabulous. Sometimes it's just like, oh, nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Nostalgia. Well, I mean... <laughs> Nostalgia has its very special place in everybody's hearts. Yes. Uh, And that is what we are talking about today. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be a little bit of nostalgia involved in this episode, I believe. Uh, Not so much. Okay. It's more of a mystery that I'm trying to figure out as we record this. Okay, great. I've got a few theories. All right. um, We'll see how we go and what you think of it. Well, let's see if we can play detective. Mm -hmm. Uh, So today we, well, so right now we are in the middle of season six. Hindsight. Hindsight. So we're revisiting some of the episodes that we've already talked about, some of the TV shows that we have done on the previous 59 episodes of this podcast. You don't have to have listened to the previous episode that we talked about this show on. Um, We're definitely, like, taking a whole new episode and trying to figure out maybe exactly why it is that we love this show, as we mentioned earlier. And sometimes we might be playing a bit of uh, devil's advocate and trying to lure the other over to our side and pick an episode that might be better suited to the other person. Totally, totally. Mm. And uh, and apologies if you have recently re-listened to those episodes. We haven't, so we may repeat ourselves. (laughs) So... Uh, with all of that, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt, what did you make me watch this week? This week, I made you watch Dominion. Yeah. So Dominion, hey? Yeah. Another religious thing. Yeah. Well, it's it's probably the only, is it the only religious show that I've made you watch? I think it is, actually. Oh, no. Surely not. Surely not. But it's the Preacher. only one I can think. Oh, yeah. I like preaching. And I'm sure there's been at least one other. There's like two more that I want to We talk about religion. <laughs> it's a thing that we do on this podcast. It's definitely a thing that we do on this podcast. It's a thing that we do on this podcast because if you're new, Kurt comes from a highly religious background, which he has since forsaken. Um, <laughs> forsaken. As a gay man. Yes, well, it tends to happen. They don't yes. generally go hand in hand. They don't, they don't tend to go gay hand. Power to gay the hand? <laughs> they don't go gay hand, Jake. No, no, no. They don't tend to go hand in hand. But power to the people who do think that they can. I think that's a wonderful expression of spirituality and sexuality. It's not something I'm on board with personally. Totally. Mm. I also grew up as as an atheist and continue to be an atheist and have literally no understanding as to why people have faith, would want to have faith, or... Well, you've got a bit of understanding of why people want to have faith. uh, Look, kind of, but I'm... I, I... count myself as a highly uneducated existentialist therefore religion <laughs> just is a little bit of a mystery to me so mm. it's we always had this interesting dynamic on the show yes so 
So Dominion, we previously discussed on episode 31 when we were looking at eye candies. So this was actually a guilty pleasure for you. Definitely. I knew that it wasn't necessarily a good show, um, <laughs> but one of the reasons why I um, uh, really enjoyed that this show happened on the Sci-Fi Network, I'll talk a little bit about the production history briefly, especially if you listened to the episode previously because you would have heard some of this. It's actually uh, loosely based on the 2010, like, supernatural slasher thriller horror movie Legion, Mm. which actually stars Paul Bettany as the Archangel Michael. Very different characters in the movie as opposed to the TV series, and they're completely different tones. (laughs) However, I really enjoy the fact that this uh, universe actually got expanded, and it's uh, approximately set 25 years later after that uh, movie. Not necessarily a great movie. I wouldn't recommend it unless you've just got religious uh, undertones as part of your upbringing and for some unknown reason it's something you derive satisfaction from in your entertainment. I I don't have anything much to say about that. It's not good. It's not good. It's not a good movie. Uh, But, you know, Paul Bettany is shirtless on the front cover and it's very... I didn't actually recognise him as Paul Bettany because he'd put on so much muscle mass uh, for the lead role. However, uh, the series uh, was actually uh, done in 2015? No, it ended in 2015. It started in 2013, uh, part of the Sci-Fi Network, and unfortunately it was cancelled after two seasons. And I was super excited about the third season because we're going to get Lucifer into the mix. I always just, I'm curious about interpretations of Lucifer. Have you seen Lucifer? Yes, I've seen all of Lucifer. I was actually a big fan of Lucifer and I hated it so much at the beginning of the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Only because it's been all over my Tumblr feed lately. Well, I've been wondering if you were ever going to give it to me. The Netflix revival. I probably might give it to you. Have You You haven't seen any I've, of it, have you? I've seen 10 minutes of the first episode. I uh, recently went to Oz Comic Con. So it was actually at the panel where it had uh, Trisha Helfer from mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. uh, and she's in uh, two seasons of Lucifer, and also uh, D.B. Woodside, who plays Amenadiel. I love D.B. Woodside. Is he from Buffy? He is from Buffy. He was in the last season. He was the principal. Yeah, so it was very confusing, because they did like a this like uh, super cut of like all their, like a little bit of just their roles in Lucifer, and then also like their roles throughout television history, and I was just like... Hang on a minute. I've seen that before. And I have not linked these two characters at all. Yeah. And he is hilarious on stage. He's just, like, whipping out those jokes all the time. He was just having a blast. He's almost just annoyed that it's the final season of Lucifer is going to be the fifth season. But they're already very excited about the fact that Netflix picked them up after they yeah. were cancelled in the first place. Uh, but also, Trisha Helfer is just strikingly beautiful on stage. Yeah. She's so tall. It's not fair. But I love how much she's like, yeah, I I tend to kind of get these kind of roles because I'm most likely not going to be cast as, like, the dainty little girl because of my height. And it was really fun actually hearing her talk about... um, uh, I can't remember the name of the actor or the character in Battlestar Galactica who's opposite her, who's quite short. Yeah, right. <laughs> at first they thought it was going to be a bit of an issue, but, you know, towards the end of the series, they're just like, we don't care. I was kind fine. of like, it kind of works for their characters and their dynamics. So. It actually kind of works for the dynamic. Uh, but that was a really fun time. Lucifer aside, we're talking about Dominion We today. are talking about Dominion. <laughs> so, based off the movie, not rec- necessarily recommended, set no. 25 years later. Yes, uh, and it was cancelled after two seasons, unfortunately. That's right. Um, however, it is a very interesting show in terms of the lore that they tried to create around it. It's incredibly complicated, and you're going to hear that right now when I talk about the show context. 
Can we cut it down somehow? Oh, okay. No, all right, just do it. It's okay, fine. I'm going to talk as fast as I can. I mean, don't... Ma- we be still clear. need to be able to hear you. Okay. 25 years ago, God disappeared. The angels declared man responsible for this and began war with humanity, causing about an apocalypse that left the world devastated. It was led by the archangel Gabriel, who planned to rid the world of humans and claim dominion over it. His brother Michael, the strongest of the higher angels, chose to defend humanity, but all the lower angels joined Gabriel. These beings had no physical bodies outside of their heavenly realm, and when the fall began, they possessed bodies of humans across the world. Think scary zombies, only they can run, jump, and do exorcist stuff. Uh, And sometimes uh, they're very incoherent and cuckoo. Some higher angels chose not to take sides in the war, but ultimately humanity has struggled to survive. Only three strongholds in the city remain. That's not really relevant to this episode, so I won't talk about it. Um, But the uh, lower angel demons are known as eight ballers. Despite angels being the reason that humanity is now endangered, new faith has emerged based on rumors that Michael saved a baby, which you saw in the original Legion movie, or didn't because it's not a good movie. Um, there's a chosen one who would save them all, known by the markings of God on his body. Alex is a fun-loving but dutiful soldier of the Archangel Corps, who has fought beside and learnt from Michael himself. They try to keep Vegas safe, which is recently identified, and he was recently identified as the chosen one after his father transferred the markings to his body onto Alex's and died. Claire is a school teacher, I'm saying with air quotes, and also a firm believer of the prophecy and in line to be its next leader with her father steps aside or dies. But both of them are too busy being in love on the sly. Alex has been her personal bodyguard more than a few times and uh, they don't really worry all about that when they're together. Basic rights and luxury are now... uh, Basic rights are a luxury now, and people live in different class systems, V1 being the lowest, depending on what they contribute to the running of the city, but together they survive with steady growth of crops, water, and controlled environments. That's just the show. That's just the show context, you guys. <laughs> the episode one is longer. <laughs> oh my lordy. Just, I like to point out, we're only watching episode seven of season one, and this is the context <laughs> that I've been given, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it was, it was... I just needed you to understand what was happening. A lot happens in just a few episodes. Uh, I probably would have been all right, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> off you go. Episode context. Here we go. Previously, Michael, good angel, got an ancient book to help Alex, the chosen one, learned the art of exorcism to try and extract ex-ballers, the lower demons, basically zombie vampires, from their human hosts. In the most recent episode, it was realised that Claire's father has been keeping the body of her mother possessed by an eight baller and having a secret relationship with her. Very wrong. I'm not okay with this. I don't oh, know what... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't give you that episode. No. Um, but, mm, that make, that, just reading that made me angry. Urgh. And once discovered, <laughs> Alex attempted to exercise her, but it resulted in the mother's death once the demon left her body. Gabriel, the bad angel, has learned the ability to possess eight ballers and possibly even higher angels for his devious attempts to bring down the remaining human cities and find the chosen one. Senator Becker, who is a doctor, uh, previously had a romantic relationship with Michael, but they ended up for the greater good after it was discovered that a higher angel like Michael and Gabriel was hiding in Vega and almost killed Claire. Michael swore in front of the council that there were no longer any higher angels who essentially look just like humans when their wings are down in Vega. He lied because uh, there are a fair few who don't want to take sides and he's letting them have immunity in Vega amongst the humans. William and Claire are set to be married, mostly because they're each the spawn of the most powerful members of spawn. Vega. I don't know why I chose to use that word, but it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the spawn of my mother and father. Continue. 
Most powerful uh, members of Vega. William's father, David Wheel, played by Anthony Head, aka Giles, was a ruthless televangelist who scammed money out of believers, and unfortunately the apple has fallen even further from the tree. His son, William, while posing as the religious leader of the city, in secret he holds dedicated ceremonies to worship Gabriel, and as his father got closer to discovering the secret of his, William initiated him into his little club, which included a public breaking of his ribs with a ribbon. I don't know, some Old Testament bullshit question mark? Not sure. Noma and Alex are super close and tight mates who have defended each other's backs since the world ended as part of the Vegas soldier force. Also, there's Uriel, another higher angel who is a badass blonde and looks like she's from Xena and hasn't let Gabriel or Michael know which side she's really loyal to. For now, she's just seeing how Gabriel's efforts will turn out. <sighs> okay. Cool. It's a lot. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I will get into a little bit of a recap. Mm-hmm. And, and I get, as Jane mentioned earlier before, I gave her season one, episode seven, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yes. And then after we've done that, we will get into some discussion. Yes. <laughs> Jane, definitely that gave me a look. I'm not sure what that entirely <laughs> means, but we'll find out together. Okay. Dominion, season one, episode seven, Ouroboros. Alex is practicing exorcisms on lower angels and honestly not having a great time of it. Michael's starting to lose patience with his slow development, but his attention is actually pulled away from Alex by the gruesome and publicly displayed bodies of several higher angels discovered by Senator Becker in the town square. She realizes that Michael has lied about there being no higher angels in Vega, but she covers for him. And Michael sends Alex off to warn the remaining higher angels in the city and tell them not to leave, but to stay hidden. Alex, who was starting to buckle under the pressure of being the chosen one and finding stress relief in sex with his old friend Noma, follows Michael's command and visits an angel named Lewis. It turns out Lewis has actually been possessed by Gabriel, who has learned how to possess higher angels as well as eight ballers. Gabriel tells of how the Great Flood in Noah's, in the Noah's Ark story is actually an allegory for Michael's former destruction. Or rather, he doesn't say it, he, implicate, he indicates that that's the thing. Alex's faith in Michael is shaken, and Nova tries to reassure him. Alex is called to assist Lewis, actually Gabriel, and runs to his aid. Once there, he's surprised to find Noma speaking to Lewis like she knows him. He pushes her out the window and she sprouts wings and flies, revealing herself a higher angel. Alex is furious that Michael implanted a spy slash protector in his life and starts to confront him about the flood, but they quickly realise that Gabriel is possessing Lewis. Alex is finally successful in performing an eviction and Gabriel is removed from Lewis's body. We learn that the remaining neutral angels were killed by soldiers while trying to escape Vega and in a flashback, we see Michael's cruel aside massacring humans on the command of their father. B-plot. William <laughs> is trying to make his father understand why he follows Gabriel, and to do that, he traps him in a room with his own lion and rants at him about Ouroboros, and his father then kills the lion, and because apparently his identity and ego is tied up with the lion, it sends him into a catatonic state, and none of this B-plot makes a lick of sense, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, I was going to mention the lion, but I thought the episode context was long enough, and it wasn't, you kind oh, of got it from his emotional I, state. Yeah, I got it from context, but yeah, it was all just rubbish, so. 
so. I'm guessing you didn't like it then. Uh, look. The episode as a whole, honestly, I found it kind of boring. Really? Yeah, I what was... What was happening? I was... But I wasn't invested in any of it. Yeah. Like, I think the the problem I had overall is that the show is so complicated that I'm sure when you have built up an emotional connection to these characters, it may mean something. And you introduce them periodically in the beginning episodes. Maybe, yeah. but on their own, none of these characters are interesting enough for me to care about. You didn't find Noma interesting? She's fun, she's sassy. Oh, yeah, she's fun, she's sassy, but there's not. A, there doesn't seem... Like, she's not important enough to the plot mm. for me to grab onto her. Like, she's, yeah, the most interesting person I saw, but... She is, you know, this has been a long-running thing, and you learn about Noma's uh, history, actually, in terms of she actually sided with Gabriel a long time ago and almost actually killed, helped him kill Alex's mother and then has been protecting Alex as a baby since birth and always been his protector from afar, blah, 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 blah. But the, you, this was a big shock in, as part of the series when Noma was revealed to be um, a higher angel. I got that sense. I <laughs> did. Well, you know, it, well, it was mentioned, but I guess like without, because there's so much happening in a single episode, I suppose, you don't really get to spend as much time seeing them as them. They had a very brief interlude and then the sex and then if you haven't I guess seen the previous episodes and seen how they act around each other it wouldn't have seen like as much of a betrayal I, I think it's tricky because I do understand what was being set up there and I I really do get what they were going for the idea that this is his his last remaining friend the person mm -hmm. that he trusted somebody who he can just go and you know have a bit of a friends with benefits with and it's not really going to affect their relationship yeah, or, or maybe that's not even a thing maybe that's the direction that they are going to go in but it's not it's not a, conf a conflict for them. Mm. I understood all of that. I, I think what was missing for me from that was a scene at the end with the two of them. Oh, in terms of closure. Not, not closure, closure but it doesn't exist. some kind of um, just something that indicated that this wasn't about Alex and Michael and it was about Alex and Noma. True. I think the fact that he was so so angry at Michael and being, how could you do this to me, blah, 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 instead of turning to Noma, who is the person he actually has the relationship with and mm. saying, Why, how could you lie to me? You were the person I trusted. I feel so betrayed. And have her try and explain and say, like, I do care for you. I've always cared for you. It doesn't have anything to do with me being an angel. Like Next episode. I th yeah, but, but it was missing. It was part of the storyline in this episode. In this episode, so it should have had a scene in this episode. Totally, yeah. yeah that no, I get what that you're would have really, story-wise, would have wrapped it up really nicely, or or kind of given it the emotional weight that it needed, mm. instead of you know, it just felt kind of empty in the end because we spent one scene, well, you know, one and a half scenes with her and them together. And then she's pushed off a building and becomes an angel and we don't get any, yeah. Yeah, that was all we saw from her. That was all we saw from her. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, I get what they were going for, but a little bit more of the emotional connection between them. Yeah. They, were go they did do some of it. I just could have done with a little bit more connection earlier. No, good point. Uh, just to, you know, and it's not just for me as a new audience member, but also for a, an existing audience member, just to reestablish that, reestablish that they are trusted people 
I think would have been helpful. No, and then that's to a really wrap good it up. point because this was a show that I was actually watching as it was coming out. Yeah. So I had to wait another week for the next episode. Totally. So yes, I wasn't entirely satisfied, but I was shocked. I I don't think there are actually any signs or hints of this happening. It was always mm-hmm. part of the writer's plan, and it Which has a dim. Kind of was, annoys me if yeah, it wasn't hinted pref- earlier. I don't think it is. I think it's just out of the blue here, and then you see a lot more of her story uh, after this point. Am I correct in remembering last time we watched this that? we did talk about her being quite religious. Was that it? Was that a plot point? I can't remember, but I don't think so. I felt like there was something about Claire's her. really religious. His love interest who he's like, they're kind of not dealing with their relationship anymore because she's trying to like marry William and be the next future lady of Vega yeah. and all the sort of business, her political like motivations. But I, I guess just... like, that's also a very underdeveloped storyline in this episode as well. This show definitely suffers from trying to do too much. I definitely feel like it was trying to do too much. I mean, you can tell from just the show and episode context, both separately. That's a lot of information. Yeah, I feel like this show generally seems to be one of those shows that's really, really plot-driven. And you know me, I like a plot-heavy TV show, but the plot needs to serve as as the way in which we get the emotional connection. Mm. It not needs to support so much... it, not hinder it. Exactly. I feel like it It just was trying to like do scene after scene after scene after scene of things happening. And keep the plot moving. But not so much of, of you know, seeing how this is actually affecting the people around them. There aren't really emotional beats in There's this. a couple. The, like the, they the... try a little bit with Uriel with her drinking after... I wasn't too sure what was happening there because she didn't yet know that the angels were dead. But mm. She was drinking about something, so she was upset about something. I don't know. I kept zoning out both times I watched that scene, being like, <laughs> what's happening? I don't well, know. That's, that's the thing. It wasn't incredibly relevant to the episode, but that's why I mentioned who the hell she was. Yeah. Because but, I would be like, what the fuck? I, yeah, and I remembered her vaguely from the last time. And, and you get, again, from context, you understand that she's – She's clearly another higher angel. She's involved in this feud between them. She's somewhere in between. So it it was okay. I just, again, her emotional journey seemed quite unclear to me. I wasn't sure what she was upset about. And, yeah, that I think that was where they were trying to get the emotional weight of these angels dying in was mm. through Uriel's reaction. Yeah. But it wasn't but it was very dis- strong. And it was disconnected. Yeah. 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 So that's, I think that's the main, the main problem I had with this is that I wasn't enjoying it because I just couldn't feel anything for these characters because we weren't seeing very strong emotional storylines or very strong connections between characters. We were seeing emotional acting to drive a plot. Yeah. But also the, Acting it wasn't terrible. It's not terrible, but it's, it's not Smallville. No, but it's it's not. It is. It is a little dramatic. It's a little it is dramatic. a little dramatic. I also get really pulled out by all the weird accents, but that's just me. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot, true. Of, There's a lot of different accents happening in this, and I think there's a lot of people trying to have American accents who don't have American accents, and that's what's really. Who are the people trying to have American accents that don't have American accents? I'm sure a lot. I tried to look it up because. I felt like every single person on this show is not American and is trying to be American. <laughs> I mean, Chris Egan? Is that his name? Um, the main guy, Alex, he's Australian. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, he's, I forgot that he was Australian. Yeah, he's like a home and away guy. Yeah. Uh, so his, his accent is pretty consistent, but it's very generically American. Yes. It's one of those, like... Australian having an American accent. It's not a... Um, it's not region-based in any particular area of America. No. But and, that's what I kind of like. I... 
I actually kind of like the the. This might be an accident or this might be intentional, I'm not sure. But one of the things I actually like about how everyone sounds in this show is this is 25 years after, like, the world, like, ended, so to speak. It's it's a post-apocalyptic show. And so, like, how do you think that different people coming together and there's only three cities left in the world from who survived from all different locations and countries and -and so-and-so, I honestly think language would begin to change. Like, part of what you saw in um, The Flood... Uh, way back when, or like definitely what you see in the pilot episodes in establishing this world in terms of how religion is set up, how a new religion is created, or how school kind of works in this very only like the kids who are like much higher on the on the um, food chain actually get an education because other people are stuck in the slums and just like working through to keep the company the city running and to keep food happening so they don't die out or starve or thirst, starve or thirst. I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just to run quickly through these cast members. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Egan's Australian. Mm-hmm. The guy who plays Michael is from England. Yes. The guy, the woman. But he doesn't who, try to be American. He's British. Yeah, but but again, he's not very British. He's kind of he's doing like a very put on voice, so it doesn't sound like a natural accent at all. Mm. Uh, the person who plays Claire is English. Uh, the person who plays William is English. Oh, wow. The person who plays Becca is English. Tony Head is English. Alan Dale is... I think he's... He's a Kiwi. He's... um, He was only in one scene this episode, but he's General Reason. Oh, yes, 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 the father. He's a Kiwi. Oh, he is too! Yep. Uh, Noma is South African. Um, and who, Lewis is the one that was really bothering me. <laughs> oh, okay. He's from New Orleans. So that's why his accent was weird. So he's American, but he's from New Orleans. So he's like, got, he had a weird Southern mix kind Brandon of Creole. Like stop being so strong, potentially. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. I think he was trying to hide his Creole type New Orleans accent. So anyway, there was just a lot of very like, off-putting, not-quite-there accent. And that and it threw was you really off. really threw me off. That, however, for me, I liked how that sounded because I was probably giving the show too much credit. I think you're giving the show <laughs> way too much credit. That is not intentional <laughs> at all. Because, they, because the way that they speak is not different. The language that they're using is not different. Mm. It's just that their accents are weird. Yeah. So if they had... If we were seeing some kind of linguistic drifts, that would be interesting. And I like seeing when we see linguistic drifts. Yeah, we're no, like edu- like we've talked about this on previous episodes in the past in terms of, you know, in the flesh, in terms of when education like comes back part of a society, like how these things change or shift or where education isn't part of society. And obviously, like, you know, we learn how to speak and talk through education. So how those things would have shifted. But yes, that's not a strong plot point that's, or an element of this show. No, at all. that's it's, not what they're doing. It's something you get little hints at every once in a while but it's not ever given the time that it deserves as a no. point. No. Yeah. Anyway, that was one thing. That's that's part of the acting that gets thrown off. I don't like the guy who plays Michael. I, just you don't like his overly dramatic way of acting I just as an don't, archangel? Yeah, I just, um, I just find him way too melodramatic. I don't buy anything that he's saying. I, I can't. I don't like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, like, Do you know what I mean? Sorry, that's not a very eloquent way of saying what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I don't find the way that he acts to be convincing to me. Mm. Therefore, I can't buy him as a character. It take Again, it takes me out of the world. I'm like, you're either acting bad or... Do you find that his acting lacks emotion? Yes. 
That is intentional. I find his voice to be very wooden. That is also, I think, intentional. Because they establish earlier on, especially during the relationship that he has with Becca, that he is not someone who has experienced emotions on a big level. And he, while he's trying to save humanity left from everyone else, he he really struggles to just maintain certain social cues. And, yeah, and, except and that, things. like, he expresses frustration with Alex. Like, he's being frustrated in those mm. moments, but he's saying frustrated words in a not frustrated way. Like, it doesn't look intentional to me, is what okay, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like it's intentionally um, wooden or intentionally, like, emotionally unintelligent. It just seems... It just seems wooden. No, and no, that's fair. I don't. I, like I either, don't either melodramatic or wooden. Like yeah. it, it kind of teeters between the two. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? I, mm. I just feel like he was cast because he's kind of pretty. <laughs> he's got that kind of very chiselled, um, you know, classically beautiful look. Oh, in terms of what an angel. In terms of what an angel, angel looks, looks like. like. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I, I never found uh, the archangel Ga- uh, Gabriel. Not Gabriel. That's the bad guy. Uh, Michael to be interesting, but what I did find to be interesting is actually his past and uh, the things that you hear about it with Gabriel. What I almost gave you was like an episode where it's just Gabriel and Michael being consistently tortured throughout the episode, and it was just constant flashbacks of their brotherly, you know, past, and it's actually an interesting interpretation of David and Goliath and. When I start talking about why I love this show, yeah. that would probably actually be more evident in terms of that episode in particular. But one of the reasons why I chose this episode is I I like the way that different things are interpreted. Um, like, I think one of the reasons why I like this show is just different interpretation. We get hints of it through what Michael keeps saying this. No, Michael, that was right. That was right. Yeah, that, that was, was the right one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you, didn't, you didn't congratulate me, but I will thank it anyway. Um, I think, like, you know, the whole history of the flood and the Bible is full of these, uh, what some, uh, faiths or denominations claim to be as metaphors or some, uh, choose to take literally, you know, Jonah and the whale and all these sorts of things. And I really enjoy when they twist and change the way that things have actually been understood and handed down under generations or like painted in a prettier picture or changed into a different meaning. Like this, we had this whole underlining tone of uh, Alex being suspicious of Michael because he read a tattoo that said, don't trust those who are closest to you or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And it was, you know, and that was on the most basic level in terms of, you know, how do you interpret this word? How do you interpret this phrase? How do you interpret this hint or clue? Uh, and so I, I just really enjoy the multiple interpretations of the Bible. There are some fantastic books or manga or comics that, are, that have done some really interesting twists on these tales. And I think, honestly, some of these tales are very uh, engaging when they're told in a different manner. You try and read some of these stories in the Bible, it's a bit harder. Yeah. I've read the Bible twice. Some of it's very interesting. Some of it's very boring. Some of it don't make a lot of sense. Revelations, just try getting through that. Some of it doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of it doesn't make a lot of sense when I was Christian and believed it. Sure. Okay, that's even worse. <laughs> but that's why we have pastors and preachers, I suppose, to help. I tried to read the Bible. It's, it's not easy, is it? I got through, and then this person begat that person. The and then genealogy chapters. And then this oh. person begat that person. I think I read like Rough. three pages of that, and I was like, cool, done. I was also like nine. <laughs> yes. 
It's an early time to start trying to give that a go. It's when I was like young and I was like, maybe I'll be religious. That seems like a thing that good people do. Mm. And then I like tried... Like discovering this concept of morality, were you? Yeah, I was kind of like, I feel like I want to be a good person when I grow up. So I guess I'll try and be religious. Mm. Um, and yeah, th- my, my way of attempting to do that was to read the Bible and then I didn't get very far and I was like, cool, if this is what being religious is, then I'm, I'm out. How did you go with the pages? Because one thing I can never get over with the Bible is how thin the bloody pages are. Like, I know it's like a paperweight thing in terms of Look, like how many pages are in there. I kind of liked flicking them because they're, they're cool to flick. <laughs> they are fun. They're very light. But I only had this teeny tiny little pocket Bible. Oh, so you didn't have a proper big Bible. Oh, no. Why okay. would we have it? We, I grew up in a non-religious household. Yeah, sorry. I just, uh, I, I grew up where there were many different Bibles in the house, you know, different versions. No, and about King James I don't even know where we got our little tiny pocket Bible from. I, Lord knows where it came from. It well. might have been my mum's from school, actually, because my mum did grow up religious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I tried to read that and I flipped. Yeah, it's that's literally like the first three pages were just such yeah. and such begets such and such. It might have also only been the New Testament. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been, um, actually, I think, because, like, that's how they uh, passed down where Jesus' lineage came from. Yeah. And so you got the four books of the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. Uh, they're the first four books of the New Testament, which all tell the same story. No, they all tell different perspectives of uh, the story of Jesus Christ. Do they? Yes. That's pretty boring. Well, you, 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 some of them have different stories, some of them have other things. So, like, certainly, like, it's, it's saying that, like, you know, the authors of these Bible were or were around or heard accounts of what Jesus did in certain places in certain other regions. Or, um, what, are they the disciples? It's got to be his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, look, I'm not so sure anymore. It's been a while since I did this that shit. That seems like a thing. Like, <laughs> not every disciple wrote a chapter, but all of the chapters are written by disciples. Or named after them. Or named after Well, I mean... Yeah, the authors are just... <laughs> whether any of it actually happened yeah. is a whole other thing. Anyway... But we're talking about Dominion. We are talking about Dominion. Um, but no, I really enjoy the interpretation of the flood or like there's this wonderful, I, I didn't throw this episode your way because it was season two and season one, episode seven, that was hard enough to summarize. <laughs> so I was thinking about giving you this other episode where you actually got an insight into Gabriel and his distrust of humans and how that came about, where he was actually heralding uh, young David uh, for David and Goliath. Uh, but then it resulted in this whole other thing in terms of like, he, he had to basically, you know, disconnect himself from humanity because of God's greater plan or what actually happened and things like that. And could no longer care for this child who was basically killed in a stampede and like, oh, well, we're going to tell a different story so people can have faith in God and all this sort of stuff. And uh, it was, it, it's just, I really enjoy the way they interpret different things. And you've also got William, you know, having his big spiel and the Ouroboros and trying to like get him to like, I know you're shaking your head like it's you, awful. you definitely have something to say about this bleak plot line or given how your recap was spelled out. But what I enjoyed about it is when you have someone of a different faith and faith I know is a very, is something that does perplex you a little bit, Yeah. but I enjoy seeing when people think that they're doing this for someone they love and like trying to push a faith onto him because in a very twisted way, he does love his father even though they have a very troubled relationship. Clearly. It was really interesting to see that he's like, okay, he's going to find out my secret. Either A, kill him to keep my secret safe, or B, try and convert him so Gabriel doesn't get angry at me, but also so he can be um, part of the new um, 
the new heaven on earth, so to speak, and the new dominion that Gabriel would create. It's it's a very come to think of it, it's a very twisted way of actually looking at how some Christians view their family members in terms of how they try to love them and because they want them to be in heaven with them for everlasting life. Yeah. I didn't mean that that's, I didn't think that's where that, my sentence was going there, but I enjoy seeing that his love meant that even though in an extremely twisted way is something that he was going to push forward through his um, warped sense of faith. Yeah. I think I understand with that plot line that William was trying to convert his father so that he could save him mm. to and convert him from this very kind of traditional Christian view. The, the people who have that kind of view just kind of help me to understand the context of that. Does he... Do they hate all the angels? Do they, oh, the, do the they worship, worship Gabriel? The, no, no, the regular people. Like William's oh. dad, for example. What do, what does he feel about the world around him now? Because he's he hates it all. Right. He, he literally hates it all. So he was a televangelist. Yes. But then the apocalypse and everything happened. Uh, the apple is uh, killed William's mother while he was hiding with them in the closet. Um, and so he he detests all of this. He wish he could just get rid of all angels, but he's also seized this moment of opportunity in terms of power. He's yeah. he's a very power hungry man. Yeah. Um, but he was always he probably was a Christian at some point, but his greed definitely overtook him. And he like you see in this episode, he talks about this. You say something like that, I would follow it with a one eight hundred number. You know, to to get money on the screen. Yeah. Um, you know, so he isn't necessarily concept. an actual believer. Right no, now. he's no longer religious. At I see. All. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you want me to help understand the other people, or just William's dad? No, mostly William's dad. It's just sort of, um, I guess. I don't know. The whole thing just felt really silly to me. <laughs> the idea that, okay, he's trying to convert his dad to his religion and his dad's clearly resistant mm -hmm. because he is either cross at all religions mm -hmm. or because he doesn't want to follow Gabriel or because he doesn't want to see his son become a religious leader I wasn't 100% sure why he was so resistant to everything. I mean, aside from the fact that, like, I'm resistant to religion in general because religion sucks. <laughs> yes, well, this character is not... He, he has that same mentality, only yeah. stronger. Like, yeah. He almost, like, hates it, but he knows that his son, being the religious leader of their community, gives him power, gives him status, gives him authority. So he yeah. lets it slide. He doesn't believe in any of it. Yeah. And, again, this, is, this so show is definitely suffering from... There is so much information that passes along from episode to episode. So even if you if you watched up to episode seven, you half of these questions would be answered. Yeah, okay. but only half. Okay, but in in a way, it's you've sort of made it worse for me because if he doesn't actually have a faith that he is being converted away from, why is he so resistant to? Oh, hang on, but look at yourself. You no, 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 just listen. Okay. Why is he so resistant to not just, like, going along with it to not end up being, you know, killed by his son? Why is his, why is so much of his, you know, identity tied up to this lion or to not being religious when he's pretending to be religious anyway, right? 
He's still he's publicly yeah. he's not a, a somebody a, like an atheist. His son is a religious leader. Like does he, he publicly he, he, denounce? He he just doesn't doesn't talk about it. Doesn't go to the ceremonies. Doesn't religion isn't crucial in this world. Yeah, people so, have faith. People don't have faith. People just get along. People keep making uh, like food and and let things go along, but. The thing is, he does just go along with it in the next episode. So by the end of this, that's what he ends up doing. But I think he is he do, is not used to not having the power. And all of a sudden, the power is taken away from him by the person that he thought was actually weaker than him, his son, yeah. for choosing to use religion as a route uh, uh, to get further in life. And now that he sees that, oh, he wasn't even just using it to get further in life, he's actually this twisted religious nut. I... I, I don't want him to have that power over me. Like, granted, his life is kind of in danger, so that's the point where he probably should just go along with it. But... Yeah, that's what that's my thing. I'm like, if your son's putting you in a room with a lion, like, just shoot the lion, yeah, obviously, and go along with it. He does. Yeah, but he seems to be really fucking upset about it. And he seems to, like, and at the end, he's literally catatonic as if, like, everything has been taken away from him because he had to shoot the lion and pretend to go along with his son. I don't understand why this is clearly such an emotional thing that we get that scene at the end where he's just like letting his son like spoon feed him with his thing in two episodes i think one of them being the first he loves this fucking lion he loves that he has it it's it's almost like a symbol of his power and his greed and his yeah but status. he seems to be the kind of person who's willing to do anything to to survive, survive yes to, that like killing a lion should be fine yeah but one of the reasons why his son is getting him to kill this lion is because it represents the things that he needs to give up to be a rel- I understood that. I understood why he was getting him to do it. The the son's motivation I didn't have a problem with. I mean, I think it's, like, overdone and, like, (laughs) I don't understand. He kind of, of like, he kind of does this very big switch in terms of his acting, in terms of, like, his acting is just pretty much fine when he's not around his Gabriel followers. As soon as he's around his Gabriel followers, it's like, oh... It's melodramatic up a notch. Yeah. I, like, yeah, the son, I get. William, I understand what he was doing. I don't necessarily understand the whole, like, I've got to save my father. But, like, I don't personally understand it, but I see where it's coming from yeah. in the story. Yeah. But it's it's more it's more his father. I don't understand the emotional storyline that was happening with him. I don't understand why he wouldn't just go along with it to save himself in the first place. When clearly his his son is willing to break his ribs, like, mm. and 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 to cause him great pain, and I guess it's his pride. Yes, but then, but then in the end, his pride is broken mm-hmm. purely by the fact that he had to kill his lion. It just seems like somebody who was so prideful and so, um, so firm on his convictions earlier on in the episode could be so easily destroyed yeah. by the fact that he had to shoot his line. No, when yeah. I when from the way that he was acting earlier, I was like, he seems to be the kind of person who would just like shoot the lion, pretend to go along with it and Yeah, no, you're and, right. I think that, that catatonic scene is Steam? Scene. Catatonic well, scene is 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 overdone. And and also is. his his kind of emotion at the end of the scene where he kills like the fact that he's so conflicted about doing it. The fact that he stands there and goes like, oh, I don't want to kill the line. Oh no, the, your so father much... would be so ashamed of you. Like say all of those things. I think this this is 
quite possibly a performance thing, and I hate to say that about Tony Head because I mm, love him. Too. I love him in Buffy. I actually don't like him in most other things that I've seen him in. I think he has a tendency to go really, really, really broad, and I think that Buffy's the only time when they ever pulled that back and had him be really realistic. That being said, I haven't watched a lot of things he's in. I haven't watched him consistently. I've only You've kind just of seen little bits and pieces. Two did it, bits and pieces yeah. have gone like, Tony, what are you doing? <laughs> I guess it's because he's always cast as a villain as well, which is hard to harder to play. But yeah, I just kind of feel it was just a little bit inconsistent. I didn't understand why this had such emotional weight when he seemed like such a pragmatic, strong-willed man mm. that that suddenly he could be so easily destroyed by what seemed to be not a particularly taxing event. I think the reflection of that is not just, oh, I killed a lion, now I'm heartbroken or I can't even feed myself. It's the realisation of how far his son has gone. I just don't think it should have ended up with him being so utterly destroyed by this event. Oh, yes. It would have made just so much more sense for him to go like, fuck, my son is completely gone. I need to get out of here. I need to... There's nowhere to go. Fix this. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why it destroyed his sense of self he's a so of thoroughly. He's a man of action. He should be taking action. He should that, be that taking action. That scene should be him trying to convince his son that yeah. he's going along with this yeah. while we get a lingering look or, a, a, you know, another shot in terms of the fact that he's clearly, like, trying to figure out how to stop his son yeah. while keeping him alive. Yeah, and maybe that's where it will go, but I think it was... That is where it goes. I just think it was not very... I think it, they were trying to have a really, really, really strong emotional impact at the end of that scene to go like, oh, my God, look at this man of action who's completely lost his sense of self. But it just didn't, didn't, it didn't track properly for me. <laughs> it was it didn't. It was wrong. It was bad. Okay. So um, I have mentioned in terms of why I do love this show. Yeah. And it is... It is definitely a huge link to my religious upbringing in terms of the things that I seek from it, and I definitely give the show more credit than it's worth. Um, I, I do definitely think that melodrama is a part of the reason why you weren't on board, but I'm really happy that part of the conversation we already pointed out two scenes that one was missing and one could have been removed entirely um, or changed um, yeah. in terms of how we would fix this to actually be better story. To be a better story, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I can deal I can deal with it being a bit melodramatic, mm. but as long as I can see strong emotional through lines, then the melodrama becomes worth it. Mm. You know, if this is the world we live in, it's, it's a world of high drama. I get it. There's angels, there's demons, there's yeah. blah, blah. Oh, sorry, there are no demons, whatever. There are angels. There are <laughs> eight ballers. Eight ballers. I don't even know why they're called eight I was going to ask you that. Why was, are they called eight ballers? I'm sure they imagine, they, they mentioned this in the first episode, and I've seen it twice, and I'm just like... Are they called I, eight ballers in the movie? Maybe. That was high. What was that <laughs> I don't know. I, I, um... They were, it was demons in the movie. It was, it was, it was, and I think they were kind of, uh, it's hard to, look, honestly, the lore is so complex. Unless <laughs> I have, like, been watching it for, like, more than, like, two episodes. Yeah. I definitely lose information. That's fine. That's fine. I just wondered if you knew that. No, I really don't know. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think... The... It might actually be a situation in terms of, like, uh, The Walking Dead. 
um, in terms of uh, there's these three cities in different parts of the world that are the remaining civilizations. This one is Las Vegas, uh, and I think different the different cities call them call them something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine eight ball is I think is is somehow related to. Gambling casino, Las Vegas. I don't know. I actually don't well, know, but Eight I Ball think is, that might be part of it. It's pool. It's the game Snooker. pool. Is it? I don't even know. Eight ball is eight ball pool. Yeah, the black isn't the black ball the eight ball. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It still doesn't work for me, but <laughs> that's that's presumably where that comes from. Anyway, the point you were making, the point I was making, sorry, is that the melodrama would work in this heightened world if if it all tracked properly, mm. if everybody was consistent and the plot threads that are brought up at the beginning of the episode, which is Alex is going to be betrayed by somebody he trusts in this episode, mm. carry through to the end of the episode, which is the person he was suspecting was Michael. And that plays out through this betrayal by Noma. Mm-hmm. You it, could do both. Like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't that he shouldn't feel betrayed by Michael. I totally get that we're setting that up. Mm. We're setting up that Michael lies and does whatever he has to do and has a checkered past. But the mechanic of that is also a betrayal. And then we could have had all of this really lovely interconnected, like, and then have him feel completely alone at the end of it because he can't trust anybody. Yeah. Or, you know. And he doesn't even have Claire anymore. He doesn't have Claire anymore. He doesn't have anybody. His other friend was, you know, his other friend had some really dangerous kind of thoughts when, when they found the other angels. Yeah. His friend was like, we, we should just kill all the angels. Like, they've done us a favour. They're You know, angels are evil and they've done all these bad things and, you know, this is what happened when they first came about, which I'm like, again, you're not old enough to remember when they first came around. His friend but, is quite young. Yeah, but everyone's been told what's happened. Yeah, but he spoke about it as if, like... He was there. As if he was there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of like... Well, I mean, actually, he may have been. 25 years? William was like a baby. William was William a baby. Was like a so kid. this kid might have, so this other guy, like. Maybe in like six or four. He couldn't have been any older than 10. He wasn't, certainly wasn't fighting. Oh no, he wasn't fighting. It's just that's, that's yeah. the language he was using was like, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, half of humanity, more than half of humanity is dead because of the angels. Yeah, it's not, totally. it's not a complex no, thing no. to take on. But I just think, like, it would have been really interesting if we'd seen this kind of at the end of the episode. Alex can't rely on Michael. He can't rely on Noma. He can't, can't rely on his friend. friend, his other friend, whatever his name is. Yeah. He's completely alone and and he's trying to make these new powers work. Like, he's trying to, you know, he's, he's finally worked out his ability to evict people. Ethan. Ethan, thank you. Yeah. He's trying to work, he's finally worked out how to evict, evict angels yeah, I, from, no, they use the word evict instead of exercise. Yeah, they use the word evict instead of exercise, I think, to try and separate it from the religious connotation. But I was like, it's an exorcism. I, well, yeah. and oh, Well, I guess exorcism is for demons. And these, these are lower angels. Technically are angels. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think like that could have been so juicy to have him completely isolated at the end of the episode. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. This show does suffer from the bromance between Alex and Michael. They push it. They push it too much yeah. in the first season. But in the second season, it's it, they're actually completely detached from each other and they barely have a single... They, they only kind of come together towards, like, the last few episodes. Yeah. And it is 
much more interesting. Both those characters are much more engaging and have much better uh, development when they're apart from each other. Yeah. But I guess they're trying to build this relationship so much that each episode in the first season is still lets them be in scenes together too much. I'm okay with them being in scenes together, except that Michaels doesn't have good chemistry with anybody because he's... Wooden. Wooden. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to say something else. Um, But... No, 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 it, it, it is a problem because shows, I love when shows play around with different character dynamics and instead of seeing the same two characters in the same scene, in different scenes, but yeah. having similar interactions again and again and again throughout episodes, this show suffers from that in its first season. Whereas in its second season, it does play with different dynamics. And you, know, yeah. you get to see how characters interact around different people. When I got to see what Noma was like around Claire, that was an incredible scene. They don't really get to do it that very often. But it is really amazing when you actually get to see these different interactions. The show in the first season, again, suffers from the same thing with uh, David and William. The father-son dynamic, the betrayal, the the whole worship of gay role, this whole other plot line that is only just come about now, halfway through the season. Oh, almost towards the end of the season. Yeah. Only 12 episodes in the first season. Less. I think this is... Oh, like, there's only 10, I, I think. think. there's only like two episodes left after this or something. Yeah, yeah. I think there's only 10 in the first uh, in the first season. Uh, eight. This is the second last episode. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought. When I, <laughs> when I looked at it, I was like, oh, this is right at the end of the first season. I forgot this was the second last episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I wasn't going to give you anything from two because it was no, it's way too hard. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it tries to focus in on, like, yeah, very specific relationships instead of interweaving all of the plot mm. lines and all of the relationships in with each other to actually get more out of the characters. You can only get a certain amount out of a character if they're interacting with one other character. Yeah. And but th- that's the, th- the reason why I like this show is because we talked about this in the last episode quite a bit, but the world building. Yeah. And, and I, I enjoy what they're trying to do, but it is suffering from, you're right, in terms of like trying to drive that plot so hard and missing emotional beats, only engaging in a couple yeah. and not even wrapping up an episode the way that it should be each episode. It does suffer from trying to like, not cliffhang, but not finish a storyline so in the next episode you want to see what happens. I feel like they keep trying to raise the stakes. Yes. And at some yes. point the stakes have to collapse mm. or, or you know, it's okay to have it's okay to finish an episode with lower stakes than you started it. Yeah. To res- it's called a resolution and it's fine. However, now looking back at this, this is, you know, a penultimate episode of the yeah, first season. Sure. So stakes were going to be raised, I suppose. Sure. But no, the whole first season does suffer from that. Second season really brings it down. And yeah. you get to see this whole world a lot more. You get to see different characters from a different surviving city, what they're like, and, you know, they're trying to trade. So, oh, you've got helicopters. You know, we've got crops. What can we give you? You know, trade. And yeah. and, and, and this political intrigue that happens between um, uh, David and, and one of those counterparts. It's I really enjoyed the second season a lot more, but I like how the first season builds up this world building and the world building is established by different interpretation. And that's honestly why I think I love the show, the different way that things are interpreted, whether it be on a very base character level in terms of what Alex is trying to figure out with one of his many tattoos, you know, or what Noma is trying to actually figure out. Noma has a very interesting plotline because I think she loses her wings. Okay. Like someone like rip, like physically rips them out of her. Yeah. Um, and then she's brought back down to a level, but she's still trying to protect Alex and he doesn't want her protection. Yeah. But it's, I, 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 I just, I, 
I should have given you something in the second episode, uh, in the second season. However, I really love this episode. I what? really do. Why? Because of the flood, because of the way Ugh. that it puts seeds of doubt, because of the way that different stories could be interpreted from the Bible a very different way in terms of metaphors or, or, or misunderstanding or putting a lighter spin on it, of seeing Claire being like, no, screw my dad, I'm going to step up, let's move up the wedding, I'm going to become the next Lady of Vega because we need action, we need to save this city. And I like seeing... Like, seeds of the Doctor being like, no, 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 okay, yeah, we're going to take these bodies down, but also send them out to my lab because I need to know more about this, their physiological structure and do these things like that. Like, all these little seeds are things that I like. And I yes, I had can in this show too much and I give it too much credit. I definitely do. But I don't get... It's an ambitious show. And I, I like that it tried... It tries to do something way beyond its capability, basically, I think. Yeah, I just, I think my feelings are that it's not necessarily, there's two ways you can you can try and do something like that. You can either try and take a really different spin on it mm. and then you can be forgiven for maybe, like, missing a few details or it being a little bit melodramatic, or you can take a familiar spin on it and do it really fucking well. Mm. And I feel like this has tried to take a familiar spin and not do it particularly well. I don't feel like this take on, ah, oh, angels came down and now people have, people are trying to find different interpretations of religion, et cetera, et cetera. Like we're always hearing, I feel like there's lots of stories about different interpretations of Bible stories and, you know, or, you know, this is what angels are actually like, or this oh, is... Well, tell me the shows. I'll watch them. I, I There aren't as many out there as you think. Maybe not shows. It's very big in the movies. Dogma. Dogma. Oh, I hate Dogma. I haven't seen it since I was 10. Also, not an appropriate movie to watch when you're 10. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, my gosh. Um, what's Granted, like... I did watch it when I was religious, um, but I didn't enjoy the way that... It's just, it's a very violent film. It's just, uh, anyway, continue. Um, I, like the two that come to mind are Dogma and like that fucking terrible Meg Ryan film, Meg Ryan, Nicholas Cage Oh, film. yes. Like it's uh, a, it's a rom-com. I thought it's it was, a um, it's a romantic. John Travolta. No, Nicholas Cage. No, it's Nicholas Cage. Um, where he's an angel. Yeah. And he, and loses, like, and he yeah. comes down to earth and they fall in love and she dies in the end. I'm thinking, I'm, are you sure it's? Absolutely, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. One thousand percent. John Travolta's too old for that. It was. It came out in like ninety eight. Um, ninety eight. City of Angels. Yeah, City of Angels. That's right. It was set in LA. Oh no, I'm thinking of a different movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, I haven't actually seen this. Look, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, <laughs> it was I watched, the 90s. It was the 90s. I remember like, I remember when it came out, I watched it. But that's, again, it's another interpretation of, you know. Fallen Angels. It's Fallen Angels. It's, mm. you know. And, and in that situation, it's, you know, again, they're not socialized. He doesn't know how to interact. He's like the angel of death, so he's killed lots of people. But it's he's nice about it. You know? Oh, yeah, I've seen a trailer to this movie. Probably. I think on VHS. Yeah. Um, and she's a doctor and she likes to control life and death, but she has to learn that she's not in control of it because the angels are. Like, some shit like that. Um, <laughs> even, you know, even I, I'm sure there's stuff in Preacher about, you know, what do all the things in the Bible mean? I don't know. I feel like and any show that has religious undertones, it's always about, you know, what do these Bible stories mean? What did they mean? How did they 
not necessarily what do they physically happen, but what do they mean in today's culture, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just not that interesting to me or they're not taking a particularly interesting spin. Mm. Like, of course, like the the flood not being a literal flood but being a, um, a, a murderous of, angel. Of, of half of humanity. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's like, sure, that makes perfect sense. But I don't find it that interesting. Well, it's it's just not because like yeah, it's not a literal flood. But of of course, if you're gonna if you're gonna turn that into an allegory, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, yeah, probably a massacre. You know, lots of people died. If it wasn't a literal flood, then yeah, it was probably just a mass murder. Mm. It's not my first thought. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's I don't know. It's just not that imaginative. I don't find it that no, imaginative. I don't think it is that imaginative. But it has got some imagination to it. It's not sure. completely lacking imagination. No, it's not completely. But I just don't think it's that like radical a spin. <laughs> it's not a, a crazy radical spin, but it is exciting and interesting to me because you're mentioning a few other like interpretations of this, but none of those I've necessarily enjoyed aside from preacher, which is a com- very very different type of interpretation of this sort of thing. It's it's a hyper real comic. Yeah, but this is also quite... Uh, it's not, not hyper-real. Not quite hyper-real, but it is heightened. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think this is a rea- realistic take. If it is, it's done poorly. Yes. Um, well, that's what I mean. That's This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's either like it's either make it be realistic and do it well, or make it be really heightened and be really crazy and blah, blah, blah. Good omens. I haven't seen it, but good omens. Fantastic. What seems having not seen it, to be a more imaginative take on this. Which is hyper-real. Which is hyper-real. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you're living in such a such a grand space that you've either got to take it right back down and and be really, really hyper-realistic and pull all of the melodrama out of it, Mm. or you've got to, like, have it be super hyper-real and and crazy and, I don't know, more interesting. Mm. This isn't, like, I just, I I enjoy how much this show tries. I know you don't see it as, like, doing that good, and no, it doesn't necessarily do it that good, but this show has so many different moving parts that it does try to do so many different things. Yeah. Which is its own problem. It's its own downfall. Yeah, because if it just focused on a few of those things, it would do a much better job at them. Yeah. We saw that so much in just this episode alone. Yeah. Um, that it would be a more engaging show and you would have more connection with the characters and emotional beats. But I like because it tries so damn hard and I headcanon so much around it that I get an enjoyment experience out of watching it. I think, um, I think kind of just shifting back because I just had a minor revelation in my own head. Um, when I talk about taking a different spin on this biblical law, I think I'm also referring to um, not necessarily biblical law, but all kinds of law. Mm. I feel like every single story we hear, if it's, you know, it's always a take on a classic story. It's always a take on a fairy tale or it's a take on oh, the vampire yeah. myth yeah. or it's a take on, you know, some kind of law that already exists. And it's like, let's find a new t- sexy way to twist this. And again, if you do it interestingly and well, then great. That's why exciting. I liked the earlier seasons of Supernatural. Totally. Exactly. Because, and because you're taking it out of this like grand, you know, Transylvanian, vampire story and being like what if vampires just live 
on a farm in Texas. And they're just eating animals. And they're just eating animals to survive. Like, it's pulling it down into the realistic level, and that's new and, well, that was, at the time at least, new and fresh and interesting and done well mm. and had strong emotional through lines and all that kind of thing. Mm. But I feel like this this show, again, it just hasn't picked a lane and, and I don't feel like it's twisting the law in a way that is particularly interesting to me. And and we talked a lot about world building last time. I don't find the world building particularly strong. Oh, it's not. I don't think I did last time. I still don't. It's just ambitious. And I... I is it I, though? It is. What's ambitious about it? What do you mean? The fact that they've set up other religions, different classes of citizens in terms of keeping the structure. You don't see any evidence of it in this episode apart from one throwaway line where he's like, I should just throw you to the V1s or like you were just a V1. When yeah, I'm- but like that's not... Like class systems that live like that are in so many different fictions, like so many different fictional stories, that this isn't, it's not ambitious because it's not new and it's not particularly grand and it's not particularly out of the realm of possibility. So, like, what's ambitious about it? I I think it's just, like, I relate to the religious tones in terms of trying to build, like, a new religion, trying to, like, see what that is behind, um, uh, like, how faith actually comes out of this other places. Like, you know, they've changed the prayer symbol from this, I'm, you know, clasping my hands together, to um, this weird kind of holding a baby thing. That's right. I remember that from the last one. Um, And uh, the way that, you know, kids are like taught and given hope and and, like, granted, that's nothing new. I'm not saying this show is doing anything revolutionary. I just like the fact that it's trying to set up a lot of different moving parts, like having a whole other, you know, civilization that's out there that they like allude to that they really build into an interesting way in season two. I, I, I like to see how politically people drive when and the political system is barely there. Again, that's not in this episode. Um, like, you only get, a, like, a couple throwaway lines from Claire in terms of wanting to move up her father's dying schedule, basically, <laughs> um, because she's just sick of him being an old yeah. daddy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, th- I do understand what you're saying, um, and I, I, I just don't agree. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're I just not going to agree. I just don't find it... I think that to say it's ambitious is is giving it too much credit, and you've openly admitted that you do give it too much credit. Yeah, no, you, I think you, the fact that it is very specifically uh, rooted in Christianity, and that it's that that's the part that's particularly interesting to you, and because I don't have a connection to Christianity, it just seems like every single other let's twist the law story which of which there are hundreds and so many more that are done better. So I'm like, why would I watch this one when I can go and watch literally anything else that does exactly the same thing? Oh, yeah, and I completely knew that going into today's episode that that was going to be the case. Yeah. I definitely have a skewed view and give certain shows more credit than they deserve at times because I enjoy seeing a twist on it, even in the slightest way. Yeah. Um, but I will say Good Omen's actually really well done. I'm sure it is. I, I'm almost thinking of watching it. <laughs> I'm almost thinking of watching it. Because I've, I've heard great things. It just keeps popping up on my Instagram feed, and I've already like liked the promo, so it, it keep, already comes up. It keeps putting up on Tumblr as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think we've... Do we need to, for you to... I think we've done... We've done uh, why I like the show. We've done why I, you like yeah, the show. But I... I, I I look. We could say it at the same time, but how many eyes are you giving it, Jane? Oh, look! I'll give it a one. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. It's, it's, so it's not completely without merit. I, th- I could see myself chucking it on and watching it while doing some baking. Yeah. Perhaps the second season. I reckon, because Michael's completely detached from a lot of it, and he's kind of doing his own thing in a different civilization and kind of just, like, leaves Vega behind. Yeah. Uh, Noma and Alex's storyline is almost the entire through line of season two, actually. Yeah. Um, which is way more interesting than Alex and Michael, which yeah. was pushed far too heavily in the first season. Yeah, I think this particular episode suffers from being the penultimate episode. There's just a lot of moving parts and mm. that I'm not, and because I'm not emotionally invested in anything and it wasn't particularly emotionally strong in this episode, that's why I was bored. Yeah. But I no. could, like, I can see myself kind of, like, chucking it on and watching it. It's, yeah. I'm not angered by it. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not sitting here going like, this is a stupid, it's not a Smallville where I'm like, this is so dumb that it's not worth my time. Mm. I was just bored. But also if I'm doing something else and watching it, then that's okay. Cause I can't be too bored by the TV show. Cause I'll have my hands busy with something else. And to be honest, while it has so many moving parts, the way that it's told is not complex. Well, that's, I, so that's what I mean. Like I barely paid attention of, the first time. But you and still I, get what's I got most of it. Yeah, yeah. I missed a couple of details in the Williams storyline that I had to pay more attention to the second time around. Yeah. But I was like, no, nah, I'm following pretty much. It's, yeah, it's not a complex story. It's just that there's a lot of story. Yes. Too much. Too much story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So one eye. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, uh, what else has been in your eye this week, Jane? Uh, well, obviously by the time you're listening to this, this has already been out for a while, but I watched Jessica Jones this week. The final season. The final season, mm. yes. What did you think of it? I also definitely watched it. Uh, there's a few other things that I went through, but it was fun messaging you a little bit and be like, ooh, Jane Espenson wrote this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I liked the villain. I liked the way that the, no, I didn't like the villain. I liked the interactions with the villain. I Mm. liked the idea that they brought it back yet again to like another version of a man baby, basically being like, wow, wow, wow. I worked really hard and you're just a woman and you didn't work hard for anything that you got. So I'm going to be real mad about it. I enjoyed that element of it. That you really did? Yeah. That bothered me a little bit because I'm just like, come on, you're such a dick. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. He's a hateable villain. He's, he's, it's, I enjoyed being able to see a version of the men that I experience in my life every day. <laughs> be villainized. Be villainized. Yeah, okay, That's what no, I mean. Okay. I didn't like him as a person. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that part of it was interesting. I was kind of annoyed with why they went with Trisha's character. I enjoyed it. It was heartbreaking to me. I, I get why you wouldn't like it, I think. But one of the things that I think where you and I differed in our viewing of it, because you didn't like season two Not that particularly. Much. It was I agree, okay. I didn't I hate it. I agree that season one is the best season. Season one, hands down, never going to be beaten. But I like the way that the show progressed, because ultimately this current through line of, like, I know this doesn't sound like a revolutionary question or statement, but what does it mean to be a hero? Yeah. And it, it, it was definitely a through line throughout the entire series, and it kept bringing up different questions about it and realities behind it and the ugly parts about it and the difficulty that comes along with it because she's such a street-level hero. Yeah. That I found Trisha's storyline to be very interesting. I just found, like, that wasn't the most compelling part of the first season to me was this what does it mean to be a hero oh no it wasn't it wasn't but i liked how it built 
through that in season two and season three. I don't know. I feel like they do that in other properties. They do that a lot in Daredevil. They do that a lot in Luke Cage. It's blood. But I don't think it was done well in those. I think it was done well in here. But I just don't think it fits here. I don't think that it should. She's reluctant? I don't think it was the best fit for this story because the story wasn't built to be about what is a hero. Mm. From the first season, that wasn't what the story was. And I feel like we should have... It could have been, like, an, an interesting little side thing. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it should have become the focus. Mm. It definitely did become the focus, and I think that's definitely where you started shifting from not liking it as much. Yeah. yeah. I, like, yeah, I, I enjoy it as a... as kind of, again, a, an emotional beat, but it was such a focus of this season. And it I just did, feel it like... It did really hit that over the head a few times this season, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they were telegraphing what they were going to do with Trisha's character right from the beginning, and then they just did it. Mm. So I was kind of like... And, and everything doesn't have to be a twist. Like, I'm not saying that they had to have subverted that and have her change her mind at the last minute and not, you know, become a murderer. But I just feel like it wasn't the most interesting path to take. And I was surprised when it didn't happen. And then when it did happen, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. But I kind of like that because I just avoid seeing this show as not happy. <laughs> it is yeah. frustrating that this is a this is a tortured character. Consistently no, I'm tortured OK character. with it being tortured. In fact, I was a little bit annoyed at the end when she wasn't more tortured. Really? Jessica. Yeah. I was like, she should be losing her shit right now. Trisha's she's lost everything. The one person she had left in her entire life. Yeah. yeah. The one person she could always trust and that person has disappeared. I feel like she should be way more upset at the end of this instead of having like a little turnaround um, oh, at the empowered moment. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. I would have rathered her give up. Actually. I would yeah, that's what I want. If she had given up in the end, I probably would have let it have a pass because I would have been like, well, here we go. This is you know, this is real. This Being is a life. hero is not something you want to do. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And that would have been more of a good, more of a good, that would have been a better way to end this. You know, if we're going to go for this, what does a hero mean? And have her go, well, I don't have to be a hero and I can't and I'm going to leave. That final shot was is not at all, I think, indicative of the show's progression or the character's belief. I think it was just, it was it's literally what, just... what they chose to do at the I end know. of the show. Let me, let me finish. It's, it's them finishing it off with her in a final moment of being like, I am Jessica Jones. It was it was too much because I think they knew it was the final season. Basically. Yeah, yeah, but I think they should have ended it really fucking devastated. Yeah, but they weren't gonna. But they should have. That's what this story was always. I would have liked it to have gone that way. The story was always shit things happen, particularly to women, and they just have to deal with it. Mm. And I feel like... I don't think they wanted to end it on and they're beat down and they can't get back up. They didn't want to end it on that note. And I get that. It's not their responsibility necessary to make that statement, but I, I do get why they didn't end it with the giving up. I think it would be better story. Not necessarily giving up, but just like having it's to literally... continue to live with the pain and the thing. It just with ending it with that like It was literally what Mr. Purple or whatever his name is yeah. said to her. Just give up, Jessica. No, no, I don't it's not about giving up. It's about just like living a life 
Look, I actually can't get into this right now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be your last work of conversation. All right. So, um... Uh, what have it, you been watching? Uh, What's in your eye? <laughs> Uh, it would have been a little while ago. I'm actually going to talk about a YouTube video. Sure. Um, because I think it's uh, quite beautiful. Um, uh, so as a part of uh, the month of June, so this was a little while ago now, but um, as part of Pride Month in America, um, Eugene Lee Yang, who's part of uh, the Try Guys on YouTube, who um, was originally part of BuzzFeed, but then they left and they created their own channel and their own company. Um, he uh, recently came out, uh, but not in a stereotypical YouTube coming out video kind of way. Uh, he's a very creative individual and what he did was he came out with a beautiful uh, dance piece, um, which probably goes for about like six or seven minutes. Yep. Uh, where it's a, you know, a reflection of his upbringing, his upbringing from, you know, a strong uh, religious community, from a very strong Asian um, expectation community uh, of his family and then being welcomed into the queer community, but also what that means into the this world today and the discrimination that goes behind it. It's quite beautiful in terms of the fact that each scene is actually the seven colors of the rainbow flag. Um, so like visually it is just stunning and beautiful. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's on, it's on, it's on, it's on YouTube. Eugene Lee Yang. Uh, I am gay basically. Um, How do you spell that? Uh, Eugene Lee. Oh, U E U G E N E L E E Y A N G. Thank you, Eugene Lee Yang. Um, and also there was an interesting uh thirty minute uh behind the scenes um of uh why he was doing it, and you got to see his process of like doing it in a very fast turnaround to make it all happen. Uh, with you know dances and other things like that, and his emotional distress in terms of why he's only ever said that he was part of the LGBT community before, why he's just uh, mentioned queer in terms of public, and this is his moment where he actually did use the term Len label of gay um, on the online community. Um, but beautiful uh, piece, and actually I, I think uh, I'd, I'd like for you to, you know, check it out. Sure. Um, having a dance background yourself. Yeah, love a bit of dance. Yeah. Um, but beautiful costumes too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's just like uh, he's uh, done drag a few times. And I find it very um, empowering when I see someone who really commits to doing drag, like doing the full tuck and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Something I have not done. I would like to try it and have sure. more respect for drag queens in our community because that is not easy. <laughs> it's hard enough walking in heels and dancing in them in a bar, which is mostly covered in sweat and liquor. That's very slippery. Yes. Can't I'm imagine doing it. <laughs> but I can't imagine doing it with a much pain in between my legs. But then also you have to deal with pain every month. So apologies for that. <laughs> I mean, not all of us. I actually don't get that many cramps. Oh, that's nice. I'm sort of okay on that, on that behalf. <laughs> okay, great. Well, sounds good. I'll give it a, give it a bit of a watch. Mm. Lovely. Well, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of this week's episode. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We mm -hmm. will... Uh, speak to you again next week in the meantime please come find us on instagram twitter and facebook at major look pod mm -hmm. I, we're doing a bit of a competition kind of thing Yay! that we're going to do every week where i'm going to be posting a hint on the thursday before an episode comes out of what we might be talking about the following week and if you guess it correctly based on the pictures that are on there, then we'll give you a bit of a shout out on the pod. So give that a go. Come find us and perhaps you get to have your, your handle mentioned. 
<laughs> we would definitely say anything you would like, as long as it's... No, that I shouldn't say that. We're not going to say anything you would like. No, we'll just say congrats to this person. <laughs> For getting it correct. But no, I, I, I quite like uh, the one you put out uh, for our first episode, actually. Great. I've got to uh, announce it tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, so, and then we'll be announcing on the Sunday before the episode comes out what the actual show will be. Mm. So keep an eye out for that. It might be a bit of a fun game, and we love if you guys want to join in. Also, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Uh, that means a big deal to us. Uh, so, and thank you so much for listening and uh, bearing through me trying to explain a very problem a difficult show it's kind of a it's a very personal show to you yeah and i and i and i get why but there's just too much what's the word i don't know what is the word baggage no well yeah yeah baggage is fine i was looking for a nicer word but there's definitely baggage there (laughs) i i'm I'm unfavorably looking onto the show. I'm too favorably looking onto the show. Looking too favorably onto it. Yeah, Yeah, you're giving it more credit than it's worth. Definitely. I understand we all have shows like that. And also, like, granted, there are times when we may pull shows apart, but we do have so much respect for everyone involved in making them because it takes so many people to make these sort of things. It is a miracle that anything ever even makes it to the screen, let alone has even an ounce of, like, merit by the time it goes through all the things it needs to go through. So, you know. Always props to the creators, the writers, the crew, the actors. You guys are all doing a great job. Thank you, and have a lovely week. Great. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.